The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on June 16, 2013, based on 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, through which the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith in Jesus Christ today is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. You have it printed in the inside of the bulletin. The Apostle Paul writes, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. It was one of those hot August days. Young Al had just washed up his pig to make a good presentation at the fair. But he forgot that the door to the yard was open, and as he turned his back, out ran the pig right to the mud hole again. There's a proverb. A dog returns to its vomit and a washed pig to its wallowing in the mud. And even though we may know that pigs rolled in the mud to stay cool, yet our gut instinct is still, how stupid. If you're going to go through that work of washing up, why go play in the mud? The Apostle Peter, in his second letter, refers to that proverb and applies it to people who believed in Jesus, leaving behind the filth of the world, but then, after a while, they turned their back on God's truth. And the Apostle Paul, in the text here today, warns the Christians in Corinth and you and me, and you and me against that same danger. For you see, dear Christian, you, you were washed clean. That's the theme here today. You were washed clean. So don't forsake the inheritance you were reborn into. That's part one. For in Christ you have a new verdict. That's part two. Now, part one here. The Apostle Paul writes, And that is what some of you were, but you were washed. Now he had just listed a grab bag of various sins. He's not trying to be exhaustive, listing all, all sins possible. No, he's just giving some examples here. And yet, there's a temptation for us to simply pick out one or two from this list and think to ourselves, yes, that's a pretty bad sin. Those who do that aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God. I'm glad I'm not one of those kinds of people. And maybe among conservative Christians in our age, the sin of homosexuality is that sin we're tempted to pick out here and and to think to ourselves, I'm glad I'm not like that kind of sinner. But the Lord hasn't given us this list here 
for us to pick out certain sins and pat ourselves on the back, thinking ourselves superior because, well, that doesn't tempt me so much. Rather, let the full impact of this list strike you square in the heart. Notice, dear friends, that several of the sins listed here deal with sexual sins, not just homosexual, but heterosexual sins as well. Sexual immorality and adultery are listed. And if you're thinking, well, but I've been faithful to my spouse, remember what Jesus said about the sixth commandment. Lustful thoughts, Jesus said. Those desires that just are in our hearts, that alone makes us guilty before God. Just as much of a sinner as a homosexual or an adulterer. And likewise, I would guess, if you had a criminal background check done on you, you probably could prove that you have never been convicted as a thief or a swindler. But notice how greed as well is mentioned on this list here. How many of our complaints don't flow from that discontent with what God has given us. We want more. That's greed. That's that covetous desire that's not satisfied with what God has given us. Or we cling to what we have with grasping fists, claiming this is mine. That too is greed. And the greedy will not inherit the kingdom of God. Getting drunk is not something to laugh at or joke about. That too is on the list here. And when he talks about slanderers, think of how many times we've used our words with evil intent to hurt someone or to tarnish their good name. And he also lists idolatry. And when you hear that, just don't think of those people who bow down to idols of wood or stone. Idolatry means failing to place God first continuously. Whenever we sin, whatever that sin may be, we're placing our desire before God. That's idolatry. Whenever we trust something or someone else instead of God, that's idolatry. Whenever we seek happiness without God, that's idolatry. Whenever we fail to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, that's idolatry. And as Paul says here, people who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This strikes our conscience, and rightly should. How can we enter the kingdom of God? Where as we look at this list, as we look at what the Bible, God's law says, we, we see just how guilty we are. Do we really want to stand before God and argue that he should let us in because, well, you know, I haven't been as bad as some of those people over there or I haven't done that particular sin there? As long as we try to argue based on our efforts and actions, God's law has only one outcome for you and for me. For you see, God's law doesn't require a good effort. God's law requires perfection, complete perfection. Entrance into God's kingdom requires the righteousness that is flawless. No spot, no blemish, no mark, no stain, not one speck of dust at all. 
And as long as we are trying to gain entrance based on our efforts and actions, the law shuts us out completely. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But you, dear friend, you have been washed. You have been washed clean. Washed clean of your guilt. Washed clean of your wickedness. Washed clean of all the sins that are listed here and every other sin as well. You have been washed clean through the water of baptism. That washing of water with, that, with the word, that washing of rebirth and renewal worked by the Holy Spirit so that you are an heir of everlasting life. And at that same time that you were washed, you were sanctified. Now what does that mean, sanctified? It means to be set apart for God. Set apart from all that is sinful and dirty. Set apart as a holy, sanctified child of God. So that he calls you one of his saints. And as that holy child of God, you are an heir of his heavenly kingdom. Take to heart the apostles' words, but you were washed, you were sanctified. And so why? Why would we want to go back and and roll in the mud? Why would we want to forsake the inheritance that Jesus has sanctified us for? He has set you apart as a child of God so that you are an heir of everlasting life. In baptism, you were reborn into his family. Don't forsake the inheritance you have been reborn into. Don't forsake that inheritance by willingly indulging in sin. As if God's forgiveness granted us a license to do whatever our sinful nature desires. Don't forsake the inheritance that you've been reborn into. Don't forsake it by trying to argue with God that he should let you in because you're not as bad as some of those other people. Don't forsake your inheritance by claiming that you deserve entrance into his kingdom based on your words or your actions or your efforts. Don't go back to that slavery, toiling in that mud. For Jesus has set you free. He has made you a son or daughter of the Holy God. He has sanctified you to be an heir of everlasting life. Don't forsake the inheritance that you have been reborn into. For when baptism washed you clean, you were reborn into God's family. And that means you are an heir. And and, and think about what receiving an inheritance means. It doesn't mean that you have earned or deserved it in any way. It doesn't mean that you're worthy of it. You receive an inheritance because that's the family you belong to. Live as a holy child of God. Live as an heir of heaven firmly believing that that inheritance is yours, not based on your efforts or actions, but because of the death of your brother, Jesus Christ, 
For that's what an inheritance is, isn't it? It's not a wage that's earned. It's a gift passed on at the death of a family member. And every time we come to the Lord's Supper, we remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and the inheritance he purchased for you with his body and blood on the cross. Yes, dear friends, what an inheritance you have been born into, reborn into through the water and word of baptism. What an inheritance is yours as a child of God. So live as a holy child of God, honoring the family name that you bear. Live as an heir of heaven, for you were washed clean. Now, if this sounds too good to be true, listen to the verdict, the new verdict that God himself gives, which brings us to the second part here. The apostle writes, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We've already talked about being washed and sanctified, but the apostle adds a third word here to assure you and me all the more of what our Savior has done for us. For you see, God's law still tries to accuse us. It pricks our conscience and accuses you and me. You are a dirty sinner. You are a guilty lawbreaker. And our conscience knows the deep sins in the dungeons of our hearts. We might look clean on the outside, but our conscience knows better. And God's law has only one verdict. Death and damnation. But you have not only been washed, dear Christian, you have not only been sanctified, you have been justified. That's what the Apostle writes here. You have been justified. Yes, God's law brings the verdict of death and damnation, but but God has a new verdict. His new verdict is justified, acquitted, not guilty. Uh, but, but how can this be? Were, were our sins not as bad as we thought? No. They're worse than we realize. Was our conscience wrong about our guilt? Not at all. Our conscience doesn't know the half of it. So then how can God give that new verdict and still be just? How can he give the verdict of justified, acquitted, not guilty to people like you and me? Well, the answer is in those last words of the text here. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see, this new verdict is not based on our efforts or actions in any way at all. It is based entirely on our Lord Jesus Christ. His life and death in our place is the evidence entered on our behalf. His righteousness counts as your record in God's courtroom. His perfect life of holiness covers you so that God calls you his own dear child, his saint. Jesus' blood washes you clean of every stain. His suffering and death has satisfied the law's demand that every sin be paid for, and his resurrection on the third day declares God's new verdict. Because of Jesus, sinners are declared righteous. The wicked 
are justified. The guilty are acquitted. And the Spirit of our God, the Holy Spirit, has brought you and me, dear Christians, to believe that new verdict, to believe that good news. For you see, without faith, the new verdict does someone no good at all. Or a a dead faith or a false faith doesn't hold on to this verdict either. Such a dead faith or false faith or no faith still tries to plead based on its own works and merits and actions and efforts rather than clinging to Christ and the verdict that God gives based on Jesus alone. But you, dear Christian, you believe the new verdict for the Spirit of our God, the Holy Spirit, has worked that faith in you so that you believe in Jesus Christ, your Savior. The new verdict declares, because of Jesus, God has erased your wickedness. He has erased that record so that you are acquitted in his courtroom through faith in Jesus. You, dear sinner, are forgiven. Such a faith doesn't go back to roll in the mud with the pigs. Rather, such a faith cherishes the Spirit's testimony. Such a faith remembers the Spirit's testimony at your baptism that you were reborn into the family of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Ponder the Spirit's testimony recorded by the scriptures that reveal the kingdom of our God and the inheritance Jesus has gained for you. And rejoice in the Spirit's testimony that comes to you through the body and blood of our Lord in the Holy Supper. As the Spirit assures you that Jesus has indeed sacrificed himself once and for all for you when he died on that cross so that the heavenly inheritance is yours through faith alone. Cherish the Spirit's testimony for he testifies that you were washed clean. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.